Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers. This is episode 70. It's uh, Bennett here. Hard to believe we've been doing this this long. Um, I have a special guest, um, William Bluntman, who runs, uh, you talk on the transfer portal, but run no context. Like what's, what's going on? What's the chicken and the egg there, I guess? Um, I run no context, own it everything, no context college football, and just kind of after it got successful, start up the transfer portal CFP so I could talk college football more and have people not be annoyed and say, hey, this is context, which really annoys me. So, uh, yeah, made the other page to, to do all that fun stuff. Yeah, that's good, though. I mean, it, it's good you guys have an outlet for it. Um, I mean, and, and you guys know what you're talking about. If you haven't listened to them, make sure you go check them out. It's um, at the Transfer Portal. You can find them on any uh, streaming release platform, Spotify, Apple, etc. cetera. Um, so <laughs> we always do a couple icebreakers when somebody comes on here. Um, but I, I mean, first off, like what's your, what's your just typical fandom like growing up, I guess. Oh man. I, the first like memories I have of, of watching college football, um, the first like legit memories that I have. So I, I'm a UCLA guy, um, but the first memories I have are so bad. They're so embarrassing. And just the delusion of being a college football fan really embodies this. Uh, seeing UCLA beat Tennessee on Labor Day and thinking, oh my goodness, these th this might be the best program out there. These guys are incredible. Holy, like, wow, what a win. And then there was uh, a few years later, UCLA got smoked um, by the Rogers brothers in Oregon State. Absolutely smoked. I believe the game was on Versus. And I was so embarrassed and afraid to talk to anyone. I was hiding under a blanket for the entire second half. Uh, so, yeah, like, you know, UCLA guy is how it really started. And it unraveled into a, a, a gargantuan love and appreciation for the sport and so much more than – you know, just the power five and everything. I love group of five FCS. And I just love talking about the players and all the great talent that there is in this sport. Cause it's truly en endless and not enough people uh, really talk about and appreciate as much as they should. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, you're at the right place, I guess. <laughs> like our, our whole group is um, we've all grown up, but I've, I, I also grew up in the, the dark days of Michigan state with like John L Smith and Bobby Williams, like, uh, it, it took a while to get better, and I, I love the versus shout out for. Uh, I, I bet some people don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, Watching hockey on versus playoff hockey on versus was incredible too. I yeah. remember doing the same thing, just watching like Penguins Flyers playoff series on versus. I'm like the only kid in Vegas that's doing that at that point. I guess it changed now because the Golden Knights everything, but back then. I can't tell you another kid I grew up with that watched hockey or cared about at all. So I was a big outsider because of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in Atlanta, so it's like, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the Thrashers left twice. Or, yeah. I mean, the, well, the Knights left and yeah, nobody cared about hockey at all. Um, it, it's really hard to keep up with it. It's gotten a lot better now that they're back with the contracts, but yeah. Um, okay. Just a couple icebreakers. What's your favorite movie? Oh, dude, I don't know. 
I'm not like um oh man, I don't know. I really don't know. I I really like Jordan Peele. I like Get Out a lot. I liked um I liked No. I liked us. Like I really like Jordan Peele, but I also like like I don't know, like Step Brothers, the other guys, Talladega Nights, uh twenty one, twenty two Jump Street. Super bad. I think Super Bad would probably be up there. I could watch that a, a bunch. But I don't like really ever watch movies. I really don't. And like movies will come out and I'm just like never excited for it. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm kind of checked out until, you know, March. <laughs> There's just no no time to watch. So it's from an um a fair point as well. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I keep up with basketball and everything too, so it's hard. But um if you were on death row, what would your final meal be? pretty picky eater <laughs> i'm a pretty picky eater and i just come into spots where i'll like one food more than something else for a long while like i've been eating a lot of chicken recently i have not had a hamburger in quite a while but, you know last year you probably look at my my game logs of what i was eating there were probably a lot of hamburgers in there uh, yeah. i really don't know what i would do i'd probably have a bunch of sushi honestly or or like some some soul food. I think soul food probably be it because there's such a variety. I could have like legit like good gumbo and jambalaya and just you know, chicken and waffles. Like I, I think that could go a long way. Mac and cheese. Yeah, get yeah. like the best chef out there to cook something good up soul food wise. Yeah, our uh, our Cajun guys in our Discord are constantly posting their food and it's um it's a little bit unfair, I would yeah, that say. Doesn't seem very nice, man. No. Um, and then last one that we always ask is how much money do you make? How much money do I make? I don't know. Uh, my, my job is tweeting. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have an income or anything. I straight up tweet for the people. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, like find an opportunity to where I could, you know, get paid for doing this kind of stuff and just talking college football. And I, you know, there's other sports I would like to talk about. Um, but yeah, like, I'm one of the rare people where I haven't like had a legit job yet. Like I've ran for outlets and stuff. I had an internship with the big three that I did for two, two years, but I mean, I I've never like had a legit job. I kind of just, I, I don't know. Like that's the, only thing. <laughs> I don't know how much money I make. It's just straight up income off of, like doing, you know, sponsored tweets or retweets or whatever. And then, you know, the Twitter blue thing like legit helps me because I don't have like it's how much time I spend on Twitter and like yeah. I'm doing it for people and like Twitter blue helps me a ton. Okay. Um. All right. Well, then, uh, you guys do picks, right? Like, I guess yeah. what what would your ROI be? Like, how how are you how are you doing this year? It, I, so I haven't been doing gambling content for us because those dudes be recording on Thursdays when there's college football on. And- uh huh. Look, if there's college football on, I'm watching it, and I don't want to do anything else aside from tweet about it, get clips, watch players, tweet memes out, etc. So I haven't been putting out picks. Um, I've had some good picks, though. I've had some bad picks, like that I found TikTok or something. The I, I I'm not sure exactly the ROI on the heater in the last week, but the most memorable loss I have this year is going on TikTok and, and putting out. The first half under an Army UTSA is an extreme lock. Like, this is easy money. It's free, and it was not at all. Um, 
himself. So that was the most memorable <laughs> loss. And that most memorable wins going to be Duke money line against Clemson. Yep. Uh, hopefully against Notre Dame this week as well. But I'm not sure the exact ROI. Okay. Money and numbers and stuff, not my strong suit. Not a numbers guy. It's all good. All right. So um, just a couple questions about the Twitter. Uh, some people sent these in. Like, how do you gather what you're going to post? Um, does it involve getting a lot of submittals from others or do you, are you kind of just grinding for it? Uh, honestly, like, it, it's just straight up both. I don't, I don't have like a percentage based on. I, I would say there's probably more that I got and gathered myself, but I, we're all aware of what a college football Saturday entails and how much is going on at once. I, I'm not like an octopus. I can't, I can't do it all. I can't, my eyes aren't everywhere. I don't have enough like arms to, to, to get everything, capture everything. So I, whether people know it or not, because I'm not able to respond to every DM fans help me so much with just saying stuff in and making sure I see something. Because, I, for example, I, you know, I have three games up at once, three screens, and I didn't have Auburn A&M on when Jimbo was on the field. And I have mm-hmm. a bunch of people, like, DMing me and tweeting me, like, Jimbo, like, he's on the field. Like, act, you got to get this. Where are you at? So, so, so that helps a lot. Uh, the ways that I get it for myself and why I'm gathering it um, – have my phone i have like four or five tabs open of completely legal streaming sites up to with the games i'm watching on so if i see it happen live i go straight to my phone i just record i just screenshot whatever i need to sometimes i miss it's a very unreliable way to do it but it's most comfortable for me and if i miss something i'm sorry yeah, it's dude. It happens. Um, I somebody else asked like, how many people send send stuff in that I guess is um too X rated that you can't post? I or is it try. pretty rare? There's a few times where I've just realized like I probably just shouldn't post that. Um, sometimes it'll just be because it's maybe too political, but you know I still put like political based things up there like. Because I'm just, I just don't want something to be like th- that gets people like angry about politics or something. So that's stuff I have to look out for. Uh, and I mean, there's other stuff that'll happen. Like a few years ago, uh, I forget what game it was. Like Joe Burrow's pants like came off and like his butt was showing, and like just probably not the best thing to post. <laughs> so you know, like I've had people resubmit that. I'm like, hey probably not man probably not i can't do that so you know stuff like that it's very rare though uh it's very like i can't even think of other ideas i really can't so i guess the the last one um do do coaches ever reach out or staffers from the teams um so there's a few coaches that follow me which i really appreciate and and like that that includes like head coaches and just positional coaches and stuff, which I really appreciate. Um, Travis Trick at Coastal Carolina, their offense coordinator, I had the pleasure of interviewing after, you know, Sai followed me, so I tried to get that uh, going. Uh, Kurt Signetti at James Madison Falls, Kochak at Iho. Like, there, there's a few others that I'm probably not even naming or thinking of that I really appreciate. Um, graphic design teams, like those guys – the, the social media people for these schools are so undervalued and never really talked about, you know, and I, 
a lot of them follow me and I when I like repost their work I see them go crazy over it like saying they made it and like uh, their friends are hyping it up like oh, you're famous like that I really that I really enjoy because the, those people are behind the scenes for these teams cooking up incredible graphics and memes and videos and their work is never really appreciated right so so I, I care about that a lot and I guess I I would consider them part a part of the team and being like staffers and everything but uh yeah a few coaches as well here and there that's awesome man I, I I'm happy to hear that like you you count them in on it like it's you know like one big team it's not just yeah, man they're they're you see the uh, Washington State stepbrothers graphic that they put out after they beat Oregon State? That was hilarious stuff. It's just very intelligent, and you know it brings. We're in a different era of, of, of athletics. Like that, making dank memes and putting out crazy graphics drives so much engagement to your program now. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's a. Um... It's a crazy world for sure. Like if you told me this 15 years ago, who would have ever thought we'd be here? Um, I, I don't know. All right. But um, that's all we really got as far as questions go. Like it's pretty straight cut dry forward stuff from the people. Um, but I mean, unfortunately we're a third of the way through the season. Yeah. So, too quickly. I know. And unfortunately I'm, uh, three for four in weddings so far, and I've got another one in three weeks. So I'm 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 getting a little burnt out there, but we're kind of gonna I guess reevaluate where we are, uh, where we thought we would be, and I guess where really what we see happening the rest of the year. Um, so I, I guess the the first thing is it's hard to start out this way, but like where who do you consider the most disappointing teams so far? I guess, I guess from where you thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think first and foremost, there, there's a few. First and foremost, I think has to be Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, you know, I hate doing preseason top 25, so I'm very vocal about that. This was the first year that, you know, I, I kid around. was like, dude, everyone's got like a water gun point at my head. Uh, like, I've got to do this. So, so I did preseason top 25 for the first time in a while. Alabama number one extremely disappointed um the defense is as good as good as i expected if not better i thought they would have played a better game against texas but their offense wasn't cooking anyway and i mean what are you gonna do uh alabama's offense line is really disappointing me it's not really because the players like they they have kane proctor true freshman playing left tackle in the sec like that's a special talent uh jc latham's gonna be a first round pick tyler booker's gonna be like a a top two round guy like they have the talent up front and the coaches just plump them up too much they're too big they're, they get lethargic quickly they can't sustain a four quarter game so you know they're out they're not even able to move and push the pile against south florida's front seven like alabama's been very disappointing the quarterback play is what it's not like unexpected for me i didn't think the quarterback play would be good but i thought Hey, Nick Saban, elite ball coach, one of the best that we've ever seen. This defense got a bunch of headhunters and playmakers. That, like Deontay Lawson's going to break out and be nasty. Dallas Turner's going to be a resurgence. Caleb Downs, great true freshman. Like they've got all the dudes on defense. They do. They're great. I just thought, hey, the offense, 
Saban's going to turn back the clock. It's a little mid-2010s, early 2010s. Game manager, quarterback, just don't turn the ball over, run the ball down these people's throats and get out of there with, with like, punishing Ws. Like, it, it didn't cook that way. And I am pretty disappointed in the SEC West as a whole. I think it's pretty lackluster. The SEC as a whole, I think it's pretty lackluster. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always lived down here. This is the first year I've I've really just been – very disappointed in the SEC as a whole. Um, Alabama, like you said, it's – I mean, I I kind of bought back in towards the end. Um, I, I thought – I mean, especially after week one with uh, Milrow just going crazy. And I clearly this last week, and he is the best quarterback on that roster. Which is um, not saying much. No. I, I mean, you talk about a guy he'll, – he'll throw 75 yards every chance he gets and try and make a play. But sometimes you just need to throw it 20. Um, he can't. Like, he can't read the defense. It's like, use his athleticism and go out there and pick up a chunk game, gain on the ground, or it's, I, he could only win throwing deep. Like, that's all he's really got in his bag. It's not, it's not good. Like, I'm very worried about, I'm very confident in Alabama's defense. I'm not, the offense is such a disaster. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I, I still think they're, they're a 10 win team, even after everything that's happened. So it's not, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, just just on the defense alone. I mean, some of those guys, like in particular, like Dallas Turner, like he's going to get to the quarterback three times a game. He's he's going to be able to get pressure, and you, you see some of the young guys really stepping up in the secondary too. Um, but I, I'm I'm putting a lot of that blame on Tommy Reese, like just in general. He's he's still running the Notre Dame offense instead of adapting to what he has at Alabama. Is what it really feels like. He just, he just doesn't have a tight end to throw it to. 12 times a game. I think the the biggest whiff for Alabama was just failing in the portal and, and not being able to add a legit quarterback. We're all certain that they offered Drake May plenty of money. Like, we're all certain that that just didn't come to fruition. Okay, where's the plan B? Go out like Grace McCall was in the portal, and it's not really cooking this season at, at Coastal under Tim Beck. He, he, he was considered, like, going to Florida, and, and, and there was talk about LSU, you know, and, and there's talk of, like, the rumors of his academics and everything. I'm not really buying that stuff. He'd be, like, the first guy in college football history and not be able to transfer because he took a sports management class, it feels like, like or that's what he majored in. Like, he just wanted to stay at Coastal. He thought that was the best option. Alabama should have made an offer. They really should have. Alabama should have gone, tried to get a lot of other quarterbacks. Uh, I thought that there was enough talent. Like Preston Stone, I thought, was someone that they could have looked at. They recruited them very hard. Stone chose SMU over Texas and Alabama. Like, go out there, try and get him instead. There, there's a bunch of talent that they could have gone try to poach. Like, you know, identify Boise State, one of my most disappointing teams as well. Taylor Green's still a fascinating quarterback that would have you know, unlock his legs and everything, which Boise State's not. He could have been a guy to look at as a transfer. You know, Miller Moss, the backup at SC, maybe he would have been a better option than any of the guys that they've currently got at Alabama. You got to figure it out. And I, I, just, I just don't think they did. Offer Curtis, Curtis Rourke a bag from Ohio. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, we're huge, huge Curtis Rourke guys. I, the problem, it was just too late, too. By the time they decided they were going to take somebody, like by the time they, got Buckner over, everyone else had already found a landing spot. Yeah. It was just too they, late. They completely botched that, and you can't be doing that in this 
era. Um, but yeah, Boise State was another team I thought was most disappointing. I wrote about them for our season preview magazine. Thought, you know, they, they could go 11-1 with their only blemish being to Washington. I wasn't even expecting them to be, like, competitive in the Washington game. I just think Washington is so much better than, than a lot of teams. I think people are realizing that now. But the, their offensive scheming is dreadful. Uh, when you have a quarterback like Taylor Green, who's clear best strength is his legs and the strides that he takes it's just effortless lean on the ground game throw a bit but really lean on that ground game and then it'll set up the pass eventually i hate how they're calling it they shouldn't have lost to ucf absolutely botched that uh yeah they're two and two and one of the losses is washington but i i i I do not like watching that offense. Like, and they have too much. Talent. It's not because of the players; they have so much talent. It's because of the coaching. And it's, like, I'd really look at Andy Avalos after a season, consider moving on. And yeah, this is what the product's going to continue to be. Yeah, he runs. He runs a tight ship as far as defense goes. Like the Washington, like they they were not built to beat Washington no, on defense. And they have a bunch of guys on defense that are primed they're on the cusp of being good like they have a bunch of breakout candidates a bunch in the secondary like jalen clark's gonna be a good player can he help uh say depot etc they have the talent it it really just comes down to coaching and not putting these guys in spots to win i think the defense will be good it just really comes down to the offense Taylor green please utilize his legs like he is he, he's gifted he is blessed when you could have I mean, they haven't even play, been playing with George Kalani, but when you have Taylor Green, Ashton Jinky, and a true freshman as good as Jambres Dubar, you could really carve up some good work and, and then set the passing game later. I just, I, I don't like the philosophy that they run. Uh, Taylor Green being able to use his legs just sets up the offense for so much more success and scares defenses and keeps them up at night and waking up with a like cold sweat, like, it's the same problem that there was last season where they didn't tr- they, they didn't want to use Taylor's legs. And Boise State fans and I were furious over it. So sorry for ranting a bit about that, but, like, they, they are one of the most disappointing teams after four games, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, and I, I know we said the defense, like, they weren't built to be watching. You saw them step up against UCF, which they're more they're more equipped to, like, stop the run and, you know, beat up on those guys, when especially when – like UCF, John Reese probably can't really throw the ball that well. So, like, it's good in that note. Um, some other teams I had on here was Texas Tech. Um, yeah, I mean, got preseason cursed. yeah, a, a lot of us. And I think it was, yeah, the the Wyoming game. I, you know, I texted in our Discord and I was like, something doesn't feel right, especially once the lightning delay happened and the storm was happening. It's, um, it just really seemed like, I don't know if it's Joey McGuire, if they just lost too much on defense. I know they're missing some guys in the linebacker core. Um, like Tyler Shuck is fine, um, but they just Was might fine. not be there. Yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, only out for the year now. We'll see how Bayer and Morton steps up. I like Morton. I, like, I think he – it's tough when you're thrown into the fire uh, after shot goes down. You have to go play at West Virginia, come off the bench cold. I, I thought he should have got a chance sooner in the season. He's more of a quarterback that you would want at Texas Tech, too. He's a gunslinger. He's fearless. Yes, he's going to throw interceptions, but there's more offensive upside that you could have with him. 
So I like that he'll be inserted in there now and hopefully he plays better than did against West Virginia. But, I mean, NC State last year, Texas Tech this year, both really infected by that preseason dark horse playoff curse. Uh, I'm very upset that I bought into Texas Tech, too. I knew better. I saw all the hype. I should have backed off. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been disappointed. I think, I think after what just happened and blowing a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter, the Northwestern Minnesota could also be disappointed. Uh, I've got to keep preaching, though. The Big Ten West is the worst product in college sports next to Big Ten college basketball. I'm sorry. I see you wearing the Michigan State hat, but it's just ugly. It's just ugly basketball, and it's ugly college football in the Big Ten West, man. We we can't keep ranking these teams. We can't keep hyping them up. Uh, they're all they're all the same at the end of the day. Um, I, I guess – I don't yeah, we, we I've got the entire Big Ten West on my list right here. Um, I it is what it is. It's it hasn't changed, even with some of the coaching changes that happen in the offseason. Maybe it will next year, but also divisions will be gone. So yeah. it's when, not even like I didn't even expect anything from North, uh, from from Wisconsin. Like I very, I've been very vocal about not being in on Wisconsin, not buying into it. I thought they played a dreadful first three games. I thought the Purdue game was the first actual good game that they played. In the first three games, they had to rely on Fickle's second-half adjustments, which was really just running the ball more and trusting Braille now and Justin Lucy, which is pretty idiotic when you think of it. Like, go assert that dominance in the first half. Uh, they, they didn't want to do that. They finally did against Purdue, though. I, I just don't see it with Tanner Mordecai. I never really have. But dating back to his SMU days, I just – I, I don't know. The Big Ten West is just a big blob of below mediocrity. Like, it just stinks. And I don't know who's going to win that division. I thought it would have been Minnesota. Ethan Calcomanis was not the upgrade that I thought he would have been. I really thought he would have sparked that offense, bring more to the passing game. But, nah, that division just reeks. It, it, just, it just reeks, man. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we were, we were kind of low on Minnesota to go into the year. Unfortunately, it's, um, I mean, this is year six. Um, it's, it's just time to move on. It's a, it's a fan base that wants more, but it's, it's really hard to give them to give it to them with what they have in general. I mean, it's just losing that much on the offensive line. And I mean, I, I thought Cal Manis would be a little better than he is, but he, especially in the UNC game, I just did not see anything from him. I know he got hurt, but. No, like it, I really thought he would have injected something into that offense i mean it, it, it stinks it's like seeing one of your favorite receivers get drafted by the ravens uh and hey zay flowers is an anomaly there and is carving it and they're feeling the ball but like when you see one of your favorite receivers in the portal go to minnesota like your heart breaks i thought hey it'll be okay Corey croons will be okay he still is but it's like he could have been doing it another school and producing so much more and having confident quarterback play it just stinks like uh, they have legit receivers they have a great tight end Brevin Smith Ford the offensive line is still solid the defense has pieces why the defense is collapsing like they did against Northwestern I don't know and they still have a great run game it's like there's no reason for Minnesota to be this bad uh to look that bad but yeah Big Ten West and Big Ten West yeah what a mistake I made ranking that team in the preseason top 25 South yeah has been very disappointing too sorry I had to throw them out there who's that sorry South Alabama incredibly disappointing 
Yeah. So with the two end game, I, I think many of us were on it so high. And then I, I, I mean, we finally saw it with the uh, Oklahoma state game a little bit, but yeah, but uh, like Oklahoma state's so garbage. Like I didn't even, uh, everyone was like reacting to South Alabama. Like it was some monumental win. I was just sitting there like, cool. They didn't show anything to me against Tulane. I, I don't, the, the Oklahoma State wins like not that impressive. Like, yeah, a Group Five team wouldn't be the Big Twelve team, but South Alabama didn't show me anything against Tulane. They got gashed in every pass of the game. Oklahoma State has three quarterbacks that are all not good at the sport. Yep. And then South Alabama comes back next week and loses to Central Michigan. This was supposed to be one of the most complete teams in the Group Five. I ranked them in my preseason top twenty-five at twenty-five. Thought they could be a dark horse New Year Six contender, and they're just terrible. I like they, they're really bad on the offense side of the ball and their secondary, which is supposed to be elite is, is giving up big play after big play. I really don't understand it. I, I really don't. It's one of the most confusing uh, starts this season that I've seen from Miami. Yeah. And um, I guess a couple more teams I had Tennessee on there just from an offensive standpoint, I thought, regardless of everything they lost, like Squirrel White and Brew McCoy would be able to get open in Hypo's system. And we really haven't seen that, but I mean, we're talking group of five. I mean, UTSA, it's, it's just been a rough, rough year so far. Yeah, uh, Stein leaving just hurt that program so much. Yeah. Like Frank just has not looked the same. I know he's been dealing with health and, and DeCorean Clark coming back from the ACL. We haven't even really seen him at all. I think he has one catch on the season. He's been, just not playing either like it, it, it i think we all overrated utsa a little too much going into the first year in the aac and yeah it's it, it's a it's a really it's a tough watch for a program that i've enjoyed watching so much dating back to the days of the okachas there in like the early 2010s like this it, it stinks watching utsa it's it's not the meat meat nation that we've become accustomed it's it's heartbreaking man yeah I, and it's frank's one of those guys you just really feel for with all the injuries in the past and now like he's really dealing with it again this year yeah, you know he came back it's, wisdom are just guys that uh, yeah i really feel bad for i really do yeah and i don't like i know frank when transferred out but it, it really doesn't seem like even if he was there they'd be moving the ball a little bit more no and it, like I respect all those guys too for staying together and keeping that unit so close for years. And there's nothing wrong with Zakaria leaving. That was good for him. That was the best opportunity for him. He just gets hurt camp and can't even play. He's finally starting to play Ole Miss, which is good. But yeah, it's really deflating to see where UTSA is at right now. Coastal's another one, which is disappointing. I think I could really chalk it up too. That they've been Tim Beck. I think that's as simple as that's that's the best way to put it. <clears throat> yeah. Um yeah, Tim Beck. I, it's just he has killed an incredible offense and still has all the amazing pieces. It was a higher I didn't get. I just Coastal Carolina, why is that what you're shooting for? Yeah, and I mean overall though, the Sun Belt as a complete group has still looked pretty strong. I mean yeah, as it should. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a Georgia Southern alum, so I'm excited to see where it goes. But I mean, the Wisconsin game they just kind of threw it away, like it wasn't. Oh, literally threw it away. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> like six times. So that was, that was awful. Uh, 
like Buffalo should have beat Wisconsin as well, like legitimately should have. Um, and Georgia Southern undoubtedly should have won that game. Yeah, I, I bet the money line uh, at like plus eight hundred in the first half. Like, yeah, I'd like what I see. I'm so low on this Wisconsin team. They gotta show me something. Georgia Southern's just gonna be able to move the ball, drive after drive, throw the ball downfield. And yeah, I mean, you you saw it. Yeah, but I guess <laughs> like two. Lots lots of disappointment across the board. Um, I guess what are some of the uh, the bright spots for you so far? Like who are yeah, who you, I mean, I, we can say Colorado, but I'm, I'm getting kind of tired of talking about them, just uh, being honest. I understand that. Colorado has been a bright spot, though, obviously. And the, I would say the one downside is Colorado's brought a lot of casual fans into this court that just don't know what they're talking about, and the talk shows and stuff are ridiculous. And, you know, I forget who it was that was, like, talking about Oregon doesn't have a defense, et cetera. Like, you're on national TV saying that. What, what, what exactly are we doing? Uh I, I like Colorado's a bright spot, spot though. It's great for the game. It's great for his sport. Heck, I don't know if Dion's even going to be there next year. There's a bunch of schools that should be offering him a large sum of money. I would say Fresno State's been a bright spot. They've been better than I expected. I thought their win total at eight and a half was too high. I thought I thought I, Jeff Tedford's just a beat, man. He just really is. I love how they've used Jalen Gill as well. Washington State and Duke, I would pair together. Um, I was I was very high on Duke entering the season. I had them ranked 17th in my preseason poll. I had them making the ACC championship. Washington State, I did not have in my preseason top 25, but I was very optimistic about them and thought, like, you know, maybe they could win eight games. And, I mean, the Pac-12 as a whole, like, dude, it is it's, – it's the best Pac-12 I've ever seen, and I can't believe it's – it's done after this and we have people watching west coast football that live on the east coast and staying up for pac after dark and that that being dead is crazy to me but washington state's been so impressive um i have them ranked number nine right now man like the, the, it's just a brand that will never get respect for their defense I think people could box score watch and say, yeah, they gave it 35 to Oregon State. It's 21 in the fourth quarter. That game was so over for so long. Washington State has a lethal defense. The offense is incredible. Like, I, I just – it's one of those things where you see everyone keeps saying the Pac-12 elite, is this the best conference in college football? Oh, it is the best conference. And the rankings don't back it up. And the actions actions speak louder than words, man. But the actions aren't backing up the fact that everyone's out there saying that the Pac-12 is the best conference in the sport. These teams aren't ranked high enough. Washington, Oregon, USC, they're not ranked high enough. They're Utah, they're all 7, 8, 9, 10. They should be ranked higher. The yeah. Rainbow should be ranked higher. And, and Washington State, 16 is too low. Why Oregon State plummets down to 19 doesn't make any sense. Why UCLA drops out for losing... Uh, what was a seven to seven game plus a pick six in Salt Lake City in the true freshman first career roads are why they're dropping out is is wild. I mean, the best, the, the eighth best team in the Pac 12 is Colorado, like, yeah, yeah, they're they're in that Arizona tier, like, they're right around there for sure. It, it's just, it, it just goes to show how strong the conference is, though, and like. I don't know. I, I hate the AP poll and the voters or anything. 
<laughs> go into that, but goodness, I, Air Force has been very pleasantly surprising. I, yeah, it, it, I could talk about Duke for a long time. Um, I like, I genuinely, I, I sound outrageous for saying it, and I'm well aware of that, but I know that people would agree with me in a few months. I think Duke straight up, if they played 2022 TCU, I think Duke would win. I think Duke would win more times than that. I think Duke is that good. Uh, Duke, like, people just aren't going to take them seriously because they don't have – it's what I've been preaching all off season. And, yeah, I get hate because I ranked them 17th in the preseason. That's where they're ranked by the AP now. And I think I have them number 11 right now. But it's like, Duke, you go ask 10,000 college football fans to name a player on Duke other than Riley Leonard, what's the percentage that can't name another player? And that's uh, I'm, not not many. There, there's some people to throw Daniel Jones, but that'll be the only one. Like, <laughs> which is like not even on the team. So like, yeah, so it's like they they can't tell you that, and that's not an indictment on Duke. The, this Duke team's elite. They there aren't many teams that you could go out there and say they have six to seven playable defensive backs. You mm-hmm. just can't, and they do. And the matchup between Miles Jones, who's a six foot four corner going up against Keon Coleman in a few weeks is going to be marvelous to see. Uh, Duke's just a team that I really believe they match up well against everybody. We know what we're going to get from Duke every week. They don't play down to bad opponents. Mike Elko, is he the most underrated coach in the sport right now? I would say he is. Riley Leonard, perhaps the most intelligent quarterback in the sport. An offensive line that's really good with an elite anchor at left tackle like three good receivers, a good run game that you could depend on. Duke just has everything that you want. A good front seven, good linebacking core, good special teams, reliable. I just, I, I don't know. I really don't know what Duke would, will have to do to get respect. I think that they're going to beat Notre Dame. I have no issue in saying that. I really think that they could beat Florida State if they win those two games. Duke is a playoff contender. <laughs> Yeah, I I was going to save, um, you know, kind of who can be last year's TCU for a little bit. And I, I have Duke on that list. Um, I, and I mean, some of these other names that like, they're, you know, they're big name program, like Miami's up there now. Miami's looking pretty damn good. Like, OU, I think I think OU's probably peaked. Like, I think Oklahoma's probably peaked. It's um. The offense is just way too inconsistent. Yeah, the the def- and the defense has definitely gotten better, but it's not where it needs to be. Um, Mizzou, Mizzou will fall off at some point, I believe. Yeah, I I have a hard time seeing why Mizzou should be ranked right now. I just I, I don't really get that. They played two bad games against South Dakota and MTSU. Fans had no expectations. They didn't think that there was a chance they'd beat Kansas State. They beat Kansas State okay. Uh, and they placed decent against Memphis. And the offense really is Luther Burden or bust. Um, I, if they beat Vandy this week, good. If they compete against LSU and it's like a 10-point loss at home, like I would feel comfortable ranking them then. But, you know. Yeah. I I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll brag. We, we called the Kansas State game. It's just a little bit too much gone there but i mean they're still looking great um, it was such a trap line too that line just kept moving down i was like all right i just have to wave the white flag i already know k-state's not going i know what kind of game this is going to be 
it's going to be like those college basketball games where a ranked team goes on a row, then the home team's like a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and everyone's sniffing out the line like, that doesn't make sense. Let me take the road team, and you get cooked. You'll, you lose a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. But on the other side of the state, like, dare I say Kansas, or is it over this week with Texas? The spread's 17. I think that's all we need to know. Yeah. They're a lot of fun to watch, though. Like, I, I really do enjoy um, – Everything they're building. I, I, the, the BYU one's very impressive for them, uh, especially because, you know, getting off to the hot start against Illinois, I thought it was more Illinois just didn't show up for a football game, and then you only go out and beat Nevada by seven, which we're going to look back at as one of the most unreal results of the season. Like, how – I don't I don't get that one. Uh, chalked up to college football, I suppose. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I really think, dude, I, I, I just – if there's a TCU, I think it's Duke, and I guess we could say Washington State. Like, I just don't think that they could sustain like that level of success in the Pac-12. I'm rooting for an Apple Cup or a Washington Oregon Pac-12 championship, though. But yeah, I would, I would say year year two for Cam Ward under year one of Arbuckle has been like a, a very good surprise. Cause last year when he moved up, he looked a little lost at times. He couldn't, he couldn't hit the uh, 25 th- yard throws that, no, you know, he wasn't very consistent, but he's put everything together and I mean, it's masterful and the receivers that they have. I mean, look at where the receivers have come from and I know Lincoln Victor got hurt, but they got three kids from Mountain West programs on DT Sheffield. who was a community college transfer. Like, yeah. You can find talent everywhere. They don't have five star sports stars. They just have elite talent. I, I love that about Wazoo. I love that team. Um, I just – the Pac-12, man. Like, it's a conference that really does deserve two teams in the playoff, and I feel confident saying that at the end of September. Um, it, I mean, there's a very real chance that they don't get a single team in the playoff, which, I mean, what a joke of a sport. Yeah, it's a, a very, very real chance. Um, just type th- if. Fresno does win out. Like, do you think they'll be close enough to get that fourth spot no, if it's I there? Think, I think that'd be ridiculous. I don't think that they're near better than any of the like. Well, in the Pac-12, legit in the Pac-12 this year, Fresno State would be the ninth best team. I don't think they're better than Colorado. They'd be the ninth best team in the Pac-12. Uh, they, so, they they scrape by Purdue on the road, great win. They smack down on Arizona State, like legit. Who cares? And they were very, very, as someone who watched that game, very lucky to be Eastern Washington. They shouldn't have won that game. I don't understand why Fresno State's even ranked right now. I think they've they've overachieved through four games from what I expected because I thought, you know, probably three and one. Uh, I, I thought they'd probably lose one to Purdue ASU, but, I, I mean, they should be ranked right now. There's Air Force is a better team than them. Yeah, that'll be a good game when it comes up. It's um, you know, it's polar opposites they don't play too. Until the, uh, they won't. Yeah, they don't play. They're not they playing this year. In the they won't play until the Mountain West title. Oh, that's brutal. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, I guess, you know, we're we're talking. You say Arizona State. Like, who are a couple teams so far you've seen this year that you feel like are you know maybe in their first year with a head coach that are built for a long term success? Like, a lot. A lot more immediate than you would have thought. Like Arizona State's obviously not looking very good, but 
I, I do think ASU is set up for success because I'm so in on Dillingham and as a play caller. Like, I, we saw it against SC. He was really dang good calling the plays. Like, Dill- Dillingham's got it. Um, like, I, I really like what I saw from Taylor and Stanford against Hawaii. I don't really know what's happened since. They haven't been cooking, but I like what I saw from the Alphas. It's like a fresh spark. Um, I don't know, though, man. I, I don't know. There's like, a lot of teams out there that I'm very hesitant about. I'm on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah, I, I would say like maybe like Hugh Freeze really seems to have Auburn in a decent spot. Like it's tough to do that in year one, but um, like Brom at Louisville, they you know they're scraping by. Um, yeah. I, I guess Louisville. Yeah, like I, I guess I love the receivers that they have. I, I. I Kind of like I feel like they should be doing better though than than they are. Um, yeah, and then I mean, obviously, like Deion Sanders has Colorado way ahead of where they've been in a long time. And then um, I, I'd say like you know Brent Key at Georgia Tech has Georgia Tech looking competent. I can't believe they beat Wake. Yeah, that was a really good win, and Georgia Tech was very competitive against Louisville. And like, yeah, I think Georgia Tech. I mean, the Dion one is obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think he's going to stay there. Uh, I, oh, I was calling for it. I thought I thought Auburn should have dropped the bag for Dion and made that happen. Um, we so I mean we we have an Auburn guy that comes on here and he's just like just from a culture standpoint he's like I mean it's just a weird like the, I think they probably would have rather had like Will Muschamp as head coach than Dion. Just with the the boosters and That's Mr. Okay. Yellowwood. That's okay. I think in the end, winning talks more in the accumulation of talent that you get, and then you just kind of say, "All right, cool." Like, I mean, uh, listen, they already sold their soul. Like they hired the guy they did. Yeah, um, I, it's it's fine. It's, but um, it's I I'd say on some of the other ones, like it's Luke Fickle. Who knows? Matt Rule. Who knows? Like that's I think, like I think Fickle will be fine if he stays there. I don't think he's guaranteed to stay there either. If something ever opened up at Ohio State, like he, he is he, he's one of the first three calls Ohio State would make. Yeah. It's uh, um rule is just like I don't know, it's not a hire that I ever got excited about. Like it, it's just it's just not. And, and part of it is because Nebraska is Nebraska right now and and they're infected. <laughs> like you have to I, like, there's nothing else to say about it. They're stuck in the mud right now, and it's going to take colossal changes and emotional win after win to to come over this hump. And I, I just don't see it happening under rule. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. And and they looked really good. And we're talking about they looked good in that game. And then it was just same old Nebraska. They're just it's hard for them to win close games, and I don't know why that is. I don't even. I don't even think they look good. In the Manziel game, the defense did, I guess, but like the offense didn't at all. And Jeff Sins was making terrible mistakes. And like, I, I, I talk about the Big Ten West. It's yeah, the worst. It's the worst product in college sports. It's it's, it's hard when you, it's hard when you have twenty twenty two Purdue going to the conference championship game. It, 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 I love I love all the talking points that we always have. Like, oh, imagine USC playing in their first game in Kinnick. Yeah, imagine I was saying that an offense that lethal coming to their home stadium. What's going to happen now? Yeah, it's not about SC going up against that defense in that environment. It's, they, they deal with it in Austin. Like, 
they they deal with that at Husky Stadium. Like these these Pac-12 programs deal with lethal environments. Good luck to to these defensive mind Big Ten West teams going up against offenses that that frightening, and having the personnel to match that. We see what yeah. happens when they have to play Penn State and Ohio State. I mean, yeah, like these these Pac-12 guys, they're going to um, Pullman and Corvallis in late November. Like it's cold and it's scary. Like they get it. It's not going to be anything yeah, different. They're, they're, those four schools, I, I guess I would le- I, very confidently those three schools with Washington, uh, Oregon, and SC are going to absolutely throttle every school in the Big Ten that there is right now. Again, yeah, we just saw Washington State absolutely handle Wisconsin with ease in the first half and then Wisconsin makes second half adjustments and Wazoo takes the out the gas, whatever. Those, those schools have it out for them. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, um, yeah, I, if Washington was playing a Big Ten conference schedule this year, like they would. If Washington was in the Big Ten, well, Big Ten West this season, they would lose a game. Yeah, no, they're, they're not getting close to losing a game. I mean, um, I, I saw what they did to my Spartans, you know, two weeks ago. Like, it's it's just not great. Um, well, good for them. I mean, we've, we've been high on them this whole year but yeah. and before. But uh, I guess on the other spectrum, like, who's who's peaked? Like, Ooh. general and long-term. Like, I can throw – like, Ole Miss has peaked. I feel like they have hit their, uh, their max as well, unfortunately. As a big Lane Kiffin guy, I hate to say that, but I think that that's a good – Good assumption there. Yeah, like I, I, I don't like really Oregon like I peak this season. It's it's hard to say, but last week's game really kind of told me that they probably did. Yeah, I feel like Notre Dame's peak this season was having Ohio State on the ropes and in in a coaching nightmare on both that Kurt Herbstreit calling Ryan Day the best coach of the week four. <laughs> Dude. Both those coaches were terrible in that game. Marcus Freeman doesn't realize that he's allowed to just take a penalty there, and it's a net gain of zero yards. Like, I, both coaches were awful in that game. The Notre Dame's peak of the season really might be having Ohio State on the ropes and having Chope won that game. Uh, JTT saving Ohio State's season, essentially, with the, with the pass breakup on the screen. But, I, I mean, like, I don't see Notre Dame winning at Duke this week. So now we're talking about a four and two team whose best win is against NC State. That NC State team, oof, they are going to beat Louisville probably on the road. SC, if you beat SC, cheers. There's that. I I just can't see them being SC either. Yeah, I I mean I'll I'll be a lot more comfortable with southern cal in a couple weeks once they really start getting into the uh the meat of the conference schedule yeah, they have i loved previewing it on our pac-12 podcast entry of the season sc more than anyone has ever had before is the truest definition of a tale of two seasons like no like no other their first six games are cakewalks their last six games yeah i you you're playing in south bend and you're coming back the next week and playing utah that is such a brutal task. The levels of physicality that you have to play back to back like that. Oh my and how tough that is and how tough it's gonna be on their defense. Like it's fascinating. But I don't know, like when you look at Notre Dame, I I'm gonna have them at four and two, let's say five and three. Let's say five and four after the S C game. Is that what it is? Or I'm I'm so bad at math. Hold on. 
I'm yeah. Sure that, Matt. That's well, and they'll, they'll still have the Clemson game later on this year, five, too. Two, five and three after SC. Sorry, I'm so bad at math. Uh, six and three after beating Pitt. Clemson's a coin flip. I, I I was fairly impressed with Clemson kind of showing some fight this weekend against FSU. I guess Notre Dame's like eight win team. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Which is what I felt coming into the season, so that checks out. Uh, yeah, I mean, Clemson showed fight. They they did expose the truest issue with Florida State, which is why I moved them down to number eight while everyone keeps them at the top, which is extreme to me because I think that when we're ranking teams – there needs to be a lot more analysis than just team A beat team B, and that was the final score. Florida State's secondary. I mean, you're seeing it. it's an issue. Clemson yeah. had everything and anything that they want over the middle of the field and then threw the game away because Dictator Dabo steps in with absolute ineptitude. He has to get his QB power calls in, and then he missed the game-winning field. Yeah. And then he and Riley team up for a terrible selection of plays in overtime. Yeah. It – um I – I would say the key on route was a little hard to watch. Clemson's DB still just look a little suspect on the other side as well. Um, and it's, I think uh, it might be King's dead time in Clemson, unfortunately. He has but, to adapt or he has to get out. If you're not going to adapt in this era, then you have to cut ties with that man. Yeah, it's hard to do that when he's won so much, but I fully understand. Like, you have to make tough decisions in this business or else you're going to crumble. This is a guy that is unwilling to play the game of the transfer portal. And we just saw him land a big fish in Garrett Riley to be the offense coordinator. And we find out 15 minutes on national television when they're interviewing him before the Duke game that he got Garrett Riley here to run the Clemson offense, not his own offense. That's a red flag. That is terrible. Yeah, they still can't really throw the ball more than 10 yards at a time no, right now. Their scheme is horrific. Yeah, and I've talked to, to people and like Eric at home, for example, has told me when when NFL evaluators look at the Clemson offense and they look at the skill players, they have such question marks about how they are ready for the next level. Like they don't think that that offense gets them ready for the next level at all. They think that they're so far behind because it's such a basic and mundane scheme and you're not asked to do much at all and you're not learning much. And it's like, Dabble's not saying these kids up for success on the offensive end. Defensive end is a whole nother story. Yeah, I, I, it's a great thing. The offense is dreadful. I, I would say, like, I mean, there's been the guys with just the raw talent, like the Sammy Watkins, the Hopkins, That's the Mike so Williams. Like, it's just, well, yeah, it's it's very, just different. Recently. It, like when I I put out a tweet uh, after during the Duke game about Cape Klubnik and like apologize to DJU and everything because. He, he never got a fair shake of it, and people were hating on him. It's not his fault. It's the offense's fault. It's not. And then those same people that were hating on DJ, you were like, apologize to him. They're hating on Klubnik now. It doesn't make sense. Both quarterbacks are in terrible spots. I put it out to me. It was like, I said the words, Clemson's never had a league receiver. When I said that, in my mind, I'm just never, like, I'm using it as an exaggeration, right? Like, that's why I'm thinking, like, I'm very clearly talking about the past few years, outlier being Justin Ross and how Dabo ruined him after injury. Uh, they don't have good receiver play anymore. Brown might be the first good receiver that they've had in a minute because he's not the prototype that they've been gunning for, which is they want 6-2 receivers that are jump ball threats that win vertically, playing for an offense that doesn't throw the ball downfield. Like, yeah, Clemson, like, 
and and people like get mad at you if you like bash someone too much or something. But Dabo is an adapter, and that's yeah. just like again, you have to make hard decisions. You just I, I think he made a a strong change when he got rid of Streeter, but it it just still it's it's not there. We already see the Clemson tree anyway. Tony Elliott's stinking it up in Virginia. His offense is dreadful. It's a terrible yeah. watch. It's the same stuff. It's Clemson light. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've had a lot of fun watching Anthony Calandria run around and throw the ball done. But... I have too, but if he wasn't playing quarterback, the offense would be 100 times worse. Yeah. He's the only guy that they have on their roster that could get the balls into the hands of Washington Fields. If they don't have that, they're probably scoring six points a game. Yeah. Maybe exaggerated, but, like, goodness. It's yeah, terrible. that <laughs> – Cavs are looking for a stinker of a game this weekend too against Boston College. Um, to it. Yeah. of the week. Yeah, it'll um, be good. I mean, the slate this week's gotten a little low, but I've got a couple other. So, if anybody in the Pac-12's peaked, is it who is it? Is it Utah? I think the only team that we could say is peaked is Colorado. Okay, I think that's the only team that's fair to say is peaked because I think I think that there's significant upside with every other team. I think I think. There's six teams in that conference that would win the Big 12, I think. Uh, SC, Oregon, Utah, Washington, Washington State, Oregon State, I all think would win the Big 12 this season. What about long-term? Long-term, who knows? Uh, Oregon State and Washington State have been robbed of any success in the future by TV networks. Pretty sickening that that's the state of the sport. They can't do anything about that dreadful garbage um I, I i have like my hypotheticals that i would love for those two programs to do in the hypothetical conference and where everyone wins but i mean like sc uh, sc oregon washington and ucla if chip kelly chooses to recruit win so much by going to the big 10 recruits will on go there more and and they'll just get even more talent and and dan lanning is I mean, talk about one of the best coaches in the game. Like, yeah, one. I want to run through twelve brick walls right now, just thinking about his coaching tactics. And Kalen DeBoer was, as a UCLA guy, was begging UCLA cut ties with Chip and go and get Kalen. Like, I would have loved that. Ryan Crabb is going to get his his chance elsewhere as a head coach, and we'll see where he lands. Like, I, I don't know. Those schools are set up for so much success, and the ones going to the Big Twelve really are because the Big Twelve is so mediocre right now. Like yeah, you can just step in and insert their winning cultures, and they get the ball rolling. Um, when you look at Oregon State, Washington State, though, I don't know how like the Big Twelve wouldn't jump at that. I, I really don't. I it, it blows my mind how Cal and Stanford got a deal done with the ACC before Washington State and Oregon State found something is it's mind boggling. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, just a couple long term. Peaks has Carolina under Beamer peaked. I don't know. I think I don't think they have because I think that they really could be. A, I think they really could be a good team. I like consistently in the top twenty-five if they found something on the offensive line. Like Spencer yeah. Rattler's out there fighting for his life every week, but he's completing seemingly every pass. Antoine Wells is hurt. He's got a great connection with Xavier Leggett. They have the talent on defense. It's just not being put together. But the offense line, it all comes back there. If you don't have an offense line, you can't win. Their offense line, 
terrible. Yeah. Has Kentucky under Stoops peaked? Can they can they get to eleven wins ever? I don't think so. I think they've definitely peaked. Yeah. And what about A and M under Jimbo? I don't think they've peaked. Uh, I I guess that one's a tougher one to define because you could talk about like preseason rankings and Desmond saying their playoff team is preseason prediction and like maybe that's peaking. Um, I don't think they've peaked though because I think at some point in the SEC West with the influx of talent that he's able to get some point you could rouse something off and have a special season and have, have that outlier season. Like you could do that at A&M. You can't really do that at South Carolina right now. You can't really do that at Kentucky. You could do it at A&M though. You could find, you could strike lightning and, and go crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree, but I don't, I just don't know if he's going to get the time. Okay. Um, last ones. Is UGA still the best team in college football? No. They haven't done anything to impress me. Uh, I tweeted out uh, last Saturday, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State need to show me something. They need to impress me. And still, I don't care about Ohio State's win against Notre Dame. I really don't. I already said I thought it was a coaching disaster class. Neither team impressed me. Um, Georgia hasn't impressed me either. Like, are we supposed to be moved that they were in? Every first half has been terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't, and they don't play a schedule, right? They just, uh, their schedule's garbage. Um, I guess you look at the schedule now and you see they play ranked Florida, ranked Mizzou, ranked Ole Miss, ranked Tennessee at the end of the season. That's garbage. Uh, uh, Three of those teams shouldn't be ranked. I think Ole Miss should be the only one that should be ranked. It's a way to beef up uh, AP Vars, I guess, were on Kirby's payroll and had to uh, beef up the schedule, but. Georgia's not the best in the sport right now. They, yeah. They just aren't. They, they have questions at quarterback that we don't get to see um, how big of an issue that is yet, right? Maybe it happens this week at Auburn coming at this season. I put down – I ranked Georgia number two. I said toughest game this season at Auburn. Maybe that – maybe maybe something – maybe they slip up there. But when you're looking at the best teams of the country, I don't I, – I, I just – how Washington isn't the undisputed top team right now is mind-boggling to me. And I don't like saying, well, they haven't played anybody. Georgia hasn't played anyone either, aside from a mediocre South Carolina team. Like, cool. Uh, Washington has the best passing attack in the country with one of the best throwers in the country, two elite wide receivers, an incredible third option at receiver, a strong offensive line, a solid defense with with good playmakers in the secondary. Unfortunately, the, Devon Banks got hurt, so they lost him for a year. But that's why I always like Washington more than I see coming into the season because I can trust their defense more. And also with the offense, you're pairing that lethal passing attack with Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, two of the most brilliant minds in the game right now. Like, Washington's just littered with talent. It's hard. If they were east of the Mississippi, I think they would – 100% be ranked in the top three right now, but they're in the Pacific Northwest, so who cares, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of always been that problem with the Pacific Northwest in general, but I, I tend to agree with you. I don't see any reason why Washington would not and should not be number one right now. No, um, it, I, it's just the preseason poll, it's such a, a mess that preconceived thought, this is why I hate it so much, because you're not people voters aren't willing to adapt and and change to what's happening and that's where these issues come in georgia has 55 votes to be the number one team in the country right now 
because they were ranked that coming into the season because of success that they've had the last few seasons. None of that stuff should matter. TCU was ranked to start of the season because they made the national championship last year. doesn't really make sense. We're talking about 2023. 2022 doesn't matter. 2021 doesn't matter. 1993 doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. So why I, I like all these thoughts, like there's no change at the top of the rankings. There's really not aside from Texas making a jump up. Michigan's still there. They've been unimpressive every week. Like Ohio State's getting up there. Ohio State's been unimpressive aside from an offensive second half outburst against Western Kentucky. Uh, Penn State's probably too low. Washington's too low. SC's too low. Oregon's too low. The teams that have shown life are too low. <laughs> so how how many teams can actually win the national championship right now? Oh my gosh, um, legit. Yeah. I think George, I, I legit, I think it's as wide open as we've had in a long time. Like it, it really depends on the committee and who they're allowing to let in what happens in, in the PAC 12 and stuff. But like right now at this very point, teams I think can make the playoff. I'll, I'll go with can, cause I think it really is so wide open. Like George is probably a lock to make the playoff. Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state. I like you have to throw them in there. I think of the bunch, Penn State's the best. I think they have the most talent. I think Clifford holds them back a bit, though. I guess Texas can because Texas is going to run through the Big 12, you would think. And if they slip up, well, there it is. Like we're going to see preseason darling Texas Tech step up on Black Friday and beat Texas and rip to that. Uh, Florida State definitely can, but so can Duke. Like I still think Florida, Florida State and Duke are neck and neck, in my opinion. The only thing that separates them is the brand and the name value of the players, and the media doesn't hype one up. Uh, Washington, SC, Oregon, like they they could all get there and, and legit win it. Um, I, LSU is a team I was sour on entering the season, but they have the upside to go and win it and win the SEC West and upset Georgia and go and rattle off two. Like they they could do it. Um, I I think there's a bunch of teams that can man. Like, I really – I think Duke could get to the playoff. I, I, I think it, there's an opportunity where Miami could get to the playoff. And it's just so wide open. And it's really going to stink when the playoff is going to be like Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Texas. That's going to stink. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I could definitely see – even if Georgia loses in the championship game – which they will make it there. Like I, yeah, I unless they drop one somewhere else, they're going to make it in. Even if they lose to LSU or Bama or whoever it is. Like, yeah, they, they will like George is as big of a lock to make the playoff as, as, as there's ever been. There is not the best team in the country. And you, we, the first test of their season uh, could be in the SEC championship or it could be Auburn this week. Who knows? Um, like, I just think Penn State's the best of the, the Big Ten East trio. I, I just do. Um, I like. I think that you have to take two big, two Pac-12 teams though, and I don't think that they will. Just such a disaster. Because if they were east of the Mississippi, they would take them no brainer. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, my preseason, I had Georgia, Penn State. Oklahoma and Washington. Those are my four. And I, I don't know if one of them's going to fall out, I'm assuming it'd be Oklahoma, but I had Georgia, 
at Georgia. Uh, sorry, at Alabama one, Washington four, Penn State two, Georgia three. Penn State beats Bama. Is why. I yeah, that sounds about right. Um, all right, I got two more. Uh, did we already witness the game of the year? What would that game of the year be? I don't <sighs> think we have. I don't think we have either. I uh, people are gassing up Ohio State Notre Dame. I go back to it again. I don't think that was a very good game. Like, I, I think it had a very good final two minutes. Yeah, I, I, I I'd say the the game of the year so far would be Alabama and Texas, just from a you know national standpoint. Um, the the Colorado CCU game, I, I really don't care. Um, and Florida State kind of just blew the brakes off LSU. Like that game was not that close. Game of the if but I we definitely haven't seen the game of the year yet. Um I let me let me think. Let me think. I think you could honestly one of the best games that we've seen this season has been Texas Tech Wyoming. Yeah. Um one of the best games that we've seen this season has been LSU Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say those were both better games than Alabama, Texas was good, but like, yeah, it's it wasn't it, it, any other year. I don't think you're talking about that as one of the best games of the year at all. Yeah, it's it's hard to not pick a top like last year. Like, Bama LSU and Bama Tennessee were up there as you know games of the year. Yeah. I'd say probably probably Bama Tennessee more than the other. I my favorite game last year was Oregon Washington, and I I would say it's probably going to be up there again in two three weeks, whenever it is. I think so, too. I think we could very well be looking at the end of the year where the best games uh, of the season where where all these Pac-12 teams just being each other and playing out the best product. And and that's why it's going to stink because they're going to be worthy of two teams and they're only going to get one or none, which doesn't make sense. But um, I I think one of the other best games of the year, yeah, was Washington State, Oregon State. It was one of the best games, but nobody cared about it because it was on the same time as Ohio State and Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, it, Oregon State's furious comeback was sick to see. Um, what, what else? I, I guess Colorado TCU would be up there, but that was more just week I, one bias as well. Yeah, you know, that was like, that was the first game, not not in week zero. Yeah, so, so I, I I don't think we've come close to seeing the the best game of the season. Uh, Montana State, South Dakota State was a really good one. The FCS, um, but but oh, James Madison Troy was actually a stellar game. I had a lot of fun watching that. But yeah, we we, we haven't seen the game of the year yet. We haven't come close to seeing it. There's a bunch more opportunities that we'll get for legit game of the years, but th- like. There's going to be lists that people have at the end of the season. I have Notre Dame, Ohio State in their top ten, which is going to. I'm going to be nauseated over it. And then Bama, Texas, like very well could be a top five game by season's end. I don't think it will be. I think it'll be top ten, but there's going to be so many good games. Like, yeah, it's a very good time to be a, a. fan of the sport it just is and i'm very excited to see what the next few months hold all right uh who are you giving your heisman to right now if you voted well it depends because i don't i don't like how that voting works i don't like how nfl mvp voting works etc just cater to quarterbacks because Mm -hmm. they 
have the most stats. And well, yeah, that's obvious. They're always gonna have the most stats. That being said, if I had a vote, it would be Penix or Caleb right now. But I would also strongly like legit like Joe Alt would have a top five vote for me. Like he he just would. He's one of the best players in the country. Bring back like vote for legit. Roma Dune say Malik Neighbors would be up there in the voting as well. Like vote for the players that truly are the best. Don't just vote for quarterbacks. It's so boring. The criteria to win the Heisman, to contend for the Heisman, is being the quarterback that won ten games minimum. It's so boring. Yeah, I I mean right now I I would give it to Penix, but like we were saying, if I think Neighbors is an interesting one. If they end up just going throughout the year and he keeps on doing what he's doing, his name will be in the hat. For sure. He's been playing like one of the best players in the country since week one. And that it's extra impressive because he's very clearly was disappointed uh, by Jane Daniels in the opening game and they fixed things and they've worked on it and their chemistry's down right now. Like they they're they're just balling out. Um I you know, I think you'd also have to consider if Jared first put up a bunch of numbers too. Like you'd have to look at him for one of the Heisman votes. He's one of the best players in the country. He's crushing it. He attracts so much attention for Florida State's front seven. He's he's one of the best players in the country. It's just you have ball in hand, throw far, lot yards, touchdowns. That's the vote. Win games. There's there's so many smart people that are Heisman voters that just fall into the trap of voting for quarterbacks and winning teams. Like there's too many smart people with. In, in, just such intelligence and unique brains that need to defer and, and and try to start a revolution of fixing what that war is. If I had a vote, I'm telling you, Joe Walt would be in the top five. I like legit. I Notre Dame wins eight games. Cool. He's still in the top five. Who cares how many wins? He's one of the best players. Yeah. Um, like if, if Mizzou ends up winning like 10 or 11 games somehow, would you give it to burden if he keeps he, it up? He would be in the vote. Yeah. If he's healthy, the, year he would be in the vote but at the end of the day if he was playing numbers on a six win mizzou team or a ten win mizzou team i don't care he would still have the vote yeah play if the I, best player in the country is on a four win team who cares that's the best player in the country he needs his award yeah i agree well and you you are a voter right for yeah, some some uh, awards Litnikoff, my first year voting was last season i got an o'brien vote this season so i actually do get to vote for the best quarterback in the country so take that heisman are you are you able to say who you voted for last year? Yeah, uh, I did a video on it too and kind of explained my my process. Um, I voted for Marvin Harrison Jr. as the best receiver in the country because he quite literally was. I thought that was pretty obvious. I yeah. guess not though. Uh, and you know they they give you uh, three names to pick from the three finalists. Um, I vote. I think the only one that. No, I had so my vote, my final vote was Marvin one, Rasheed Rice two, and Jalen Hyatt three. I didn't even have Jalen Hyatt listed as a as a finalist because I thought if we're voting for the best receiver in the country, it should probably be someone that truly embodies that and isn't so much a product of the scheme and the system that they play in. So I like Hyatt put up numbers, yeah, but well, I'm looking for who the best receiver in the country is that could go out there and play at any school in the country and put up incredible numbers and and be regarded to as one of the best players in sport, Hyatt wasn't that for me. Uh, Marvin so clearly was. And I I mean, there were other receivers that I gave good votes, like Roma Dunze was one of my top votes. And 
I don't know. It's I am very happy that I look at the sport differently than others and will have my own unique opinions and kind of do my thing. I know that in the end, it's probably not going to win the popularity vote or anything. And I don't know. I'm just going to try to keep being real, though, and uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll strive to be different than everyone else. I got to keep doing that. Dude, I appreciate it. You got last. You got any bad takes from the preseason you, you want to cut loose that you don't want to die on a hill for? Yeah, like Minnesota winning the Big Ten West. Done garbage. That was a little... Drew Aller winning the Heisman was bad, too. I thought that James Franklin would say, I'll let you sling it. Uh, that ain't the case. So that ain't happening. Um, LSU being an 8-9 win team, I think is still realistic, more so than 9 than the 8. Uh, but they're, they're a better team than I gave them credit for. And, and Jane Daniels has really worked on his stuff and is becoming more of an accurate passer and if you get pressure on him, things get tough, but he's still been a dang good quarterback this season. And as someone who's called for Nussmeyer, he's proved me wrong. So credit where credit is due. I'm always willing to – I'm glad that you let me say this and, like, say, hey, prove your... – what what were you wrong on? I'm very happy to state why I'm wrong. Uh, and, and you ain't going to hit that 100%. So, uh, yeah, also wrong on Alabama. I already talked about that. I'm just wrong on Alabama. Well, I will be right on, though. Uh Ohio State and Georgia, man. I just, I guess I can't even, just Ohio State. I just don't see it with them, dude. I just don't. Their defense looks really good, but the offense is just not there. Their defense would be really good. Yeah. I knew that. The offense. We we, we did. A lot of people did not. Because they don't listen to the right people. Yeah, exactly. The, the, The offense is a major work in progress, and their head coach cannot call play to save his life. Um, I, I, I don't know. They're, talk about left tackle. Simmons has the most penalties called on him of any offensive lineman since the start of the 2022 season. Yeah. Not what I want. Definitely not. I live in the um, same house as, as, as a Ohio State diehard fan, my brother, too. So, like, he's, that's not he's fun. Realistic. He's realistic, though, and he knows. Like, this. The, the, he, he, he doesn't like Ryan Day either, but like he, he uh, knows. The, the guys in our Discord, all the Ohio State guys, do not like Ryan Day. I will, I will put it that way. So like that's that's why I'm so surprised that like like I take I I go out there and I tweet memes and jokes and stuff, and like Ryan Day, I thought was a clear target of some jokes after the loot calling out. We, guy called out an 86 year old after an emotional like that. Like it's funny. So. To my surprise, I had a bunch of Ohio State fans hate tweeting me and hate DMing me for making jokes and saying, like, you never do that for anyone else. Dude, how many jokes I make about Iowa and their offense and, I mean, the Pac-12 dying and feeling bad for Oregon State and Washington State still making fun of them. And, I mean, like, there is such a long list of stuff that I've tweeted about so often that I can't even think of it. Like, it, the, the thing is, if Jim Harbaugh said that, you know every Ohio State fan's calling him up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you, you see my hat. I, I don't like any of them. It's, it's really hard. It's, it's, it, it, was, it doesn't even have to do anything with liking Ryan Day or not. It's just like, 
you win an emotional game like that where you didn't coach well at all, and you go out there and make a fool of yourself to call out an 86-year-old like that's asleep, like not watching the game. You, you use the time after that to call him out instead of like hyping up your players and thanking them for bailing you out and just, oh, everyone questions my players and their toughness. People only question him. So like, <laughs> just made a fool of himself. I don't know. So any, I don't know. They don't have a culture at Ohio State right now either. You know, you look at Dan Landing and Oregon, that's a culture. Strive for something like that. They, the yeah. Ohio State of old is not what we're seeing right now, so I can't buy it. Yeah, and um, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the the video that Oregon put out um, from Saturday, go go watch it. It's unreal. A cinematic um, masterpiece. And yeah. more schools should be wanting to create content like that. I saw someone uh, that works for a social team tweet out like, I, I believe it, it was at Harvard that he's at. It was kind of like got people going in there and saying, all right, we want you to make a video like Oregon did. And he's like, okay, can we film on the bus? No. Can we film uh, some, some of these uh, behind-the-scenes stuff like meetings? No. Can we go on the field and film the other team? No. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All oh, no, no, no. Shut down. He, I, I, love, I love Oregon and just what they're doing on social and what Lang's doing and building and I, I just – I love the Pac-12, man. I really got hate. You see how I talk about USC, too, even though I'm a UCLA guy. Like, I got no hate for anyone. I I'm with you. I, we um, we are the number one Jed Fish podcast on the airwaves right now. Love Jed, too. Yeah. I love, love Kenny. Love uh, love Jonathan Bennett. You know, love, love uh, Dickert. I love them all. Like, it, it's Dickert. by far it's, – it's really sad to see it crumble. Like yeah, – I love Dickert too, but he was also like, "Why are we calling out eighty-eight-year-old Lee Corso?" Like that was bad. He used it to spin it off in a positive way on hating ESPN for ruining them in Oregon State, but he didn't need to call out Corso. Yeah, it's just weird behavior. He's an eight. He shouldn't even be on TV. He just shouldn't. It's sad. It's a really sad situation. Yeah, Ryan Day. That's all I got to say about that. Um, all right, man. I appreciate you coming on. We're spanning over 80 minutes. Yeah, no problem. I, I know <laughs> it's probably a lot on me for uh, – No, I, I, I really I, do appreciate it. Like of tangents. No, I, we're in the same boat. Most of our episodes are typically like, I don't know, 140 minutes long. Uh, but it's good for everybody to listen to this stuff. Uh, once again, Liam Blutman, at Blutman27, follow Transfer Portal – CFB, no context CFB if you already don't. Uh, real quick, I know you're on the G5 games. What's the best ones to watch this weekend? I get uh, James Madison, perhaps. I think I think they'll be in another good game. The slate this week kind of stinks, man. It, it just – Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee State on Thursday night I think should be must-watch. It's probably the first game that we're actually going to get to see Western Kentucky's offense on full display and, like, see them put up major points and major numbers and Corley go crazy after the catch and everything. Reed throw for a bunch. They still got good. Both teams have a lot of talent on defense, too. Jock has Dylan Evans, uh, Upton Stout on Western Kentucky. McCray's a retro freshman off the edge that I like for him. Uh, Teldrick Ross, the corner at Middle Tennessee State, is a really good player. 
Trey Flo Allen too. Like I think there's a lot of good players in that game. The game's on Thursday night. You know, Lions Packers is on that night too. But Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee State, those teams hate each other. They hate each other. Fan bases hate each other. It's gonna be a heck of a game. What is that? How far is Murfreesboro to Bowling Green? Can't it's, be that far. It, I believe the rivalry is called A Miles of Hate. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say they gotta be pretty close to each other. But all right, guys, as always, uh don't tweet recruits. We will be back. Miles on, of hate. Sorry, sorry. Hundred miles. There you go. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with picks. Get into conference play. It's it's coming. I mean, um, oh yeah. Last, sorry. Once again, why is uh, Michigan State a better job than UCLA? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I I I'm kind of a big believer in every job's a good job, and uh, like any any great coach could make. A program special, so I just think it's all about hiring the right guy. I think there's obviously spots that you could go in and win it quicker because it was handed to you on the silver platter and everything. So I guess that's that. I would say Michigan State's set for more success when you take a job right away because I think it's harder at UCLA, um, being right below SC and the resistance that Chip Kelly has had to recruit and stuff and having to take over for that and kind of take over a program and build. I think the next coach at UCLA is really going to have to kind of build it from nothing, which and you really do have to do at Michigan State too. So they're both in similar situations. This is a very tough question. Um, man, I, I, I don't know. Michigan State having to be right below Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State's brutal too. I, th- I don't know. It's a toss-up. Flip a coin seven times, and it'll land on the same one three times. And th- on the side, on the fourth, like, like words are tough. I don't know. Both tough. Yeah. Teams. Listen, they're 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 both the eighth or ninth best job in the, the new Big Ten. We'll leave it there. <laughs> they're better than any of the, the current Big Ten Big Ten West facts. jobs. Big facts. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. You too, man. Hopefully, we'll do it again soon.